First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. So, and I think at every juncture, God is using us, you know, but we're learning and we're growing as we're being used. But we don't know where the road's going to lead uh, from the beginning. We, we discover that as we move down the road with God. Just about everybody has heard of the five love languages. Well, the author, Gary Chapman, is our guest now on this Christmas edition of First Person. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Merry Christmas to you. It's such a great time of the year, and I'm very glad to have you join us for a conversation with Dr. Chapman. If you can't stay with us for the entire interview, it, along with all past programs, can be found online at firstpersoninterview.com. Or take time to download our free smartphone app for convenient listening. Look for First Person Interview in your app store. And look for First Person on Facebook, where you can leave a comment on what you hear. You'll find us at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Dr. Gary Chapman, who is an author and counselor, has a passion for helping people form lasting relationships. His books on the five love languages have sold millions of copies and has been a New York Times bestseller for many years. I connected with Gary a few days ago online, and we talked about Christmas, including asking him if he had a very special Christmas memory. Oh, you know, all of them are are very meaningful to me. (laughs) It's the one time. For example, that my wife's family all comes to our house, and we've been doing it for years and years and years. Of course, as time has gone on, they keep dropping out and going to heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the group's getting smaller. <laughs> but uh, I always enjoy that. Uh, and then on Christmas Eve, of course, our immediate family you know, has our Christmas time together, which is always so meaningful. I, You know, I, I think Christmas kind of opens up a lot of emotions uh, for most people, and it certainly yeah. does for us. Uh, obviously, first of all, because of what Christ did for us, and mm-hmm. you know, they're just a reminder of all of that. But the other factor is the family, you know, because God, we are in God's family, and then we have our families, and I think God instituted that, and so it's just always good to get families together at Christmas time. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you for all that you've uh, done and meant to us through the years. Your books on the love languages, of course, have sold millions and tens of millions of copies, and so many people have benefited from it. Uh, Your latest is God Speaks Your Love Language, and uh, it's true, especially at Christmas, isn't it? God spoke our love language in sending Christ to us. We'll talk more about that in a few moments, but I want to talk to you about your own story. We know so much about uh, what you write about and about the love languages and the stories you share in your books, but I want to know about you and your personal testimony, Gary. When When did Christ enter your life? You know, I came to Christ Wayne when I was 10 years old. People have asked me uh, along the way, do you think children really know enough to, you know, have a real conversion experience? I can say, well, I did. Right. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, it was a Sunday night. It was the first time, it was in church, first time I've ever even realized that I was not a Christian because I'd gone to church my whole life. But sitting there in church that night, I realized I had never accepted Christ as my Savior. I had never invited him into my life. I was not a Christian. And to be honest with you, I was ashamed to go forward at the end of the service because I thought everybody thinks I'm a Christian. You know, I had that thought, and I didn't go forward. And that week, I mean, I walked out that night really sad because I just felt like God had called me, and I I kind of resisted, you know. And I thought, well, I'm going to do it next week. 
Well, next Sunday, I didn't feel, you know, drawn to Christ like that. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, and I thought, man, did I miss my opportunity? I mean, this is, this is a kid, <laughs> 10 years old, you know? And, and so next Sunday, I felt the same thing I did two Sundays before. I ran to the front of the church <laughs> at the end of the service, got on my knees and accepted Christ. So yeah, it was, uh, it was very, very meaningful to me, uh, yeah. as a 10 year old young man. Huh. Who were some of the early encouragers for you in your faith walk? Well, I think uh, while I was in high school, uh, our youth minister and his wife were very, very encouraging. Uh, we we did a lot of outreach. We would, uh, as, as teenagers, we would go to uh, uh, what, in, what in those days were called beer joints. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we would give out tracks, you know, and yeah. talk to people. That's pretty and bold. So, yeah. So we kind of, we, we, as young people, we, we kind of got pushed into that sort of thing. Uh, and that, but it was very meaningful, you know, their, their impact on my life, very meaningful. Mm-hmm. Aren't you thankful? I mean, we've both lived enough years we can look back and, and see many, many people who have uh, added to our faith and, and encouraged us and mentored us. And I'm sure you have a string of people in your background. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in my college years, uh, there were individuals who had a real impact on my life. And uh, Jim Merck, uh, who at the time was living in Wheaton, this was after I finished Moody and went to Wheaton. Uh, I, I lived in his home for a year. In fact, there were four of us guys that lived in his home, and he had uh, some navigator background, and so he was he was discipling us. We had a weekly Bible study with him, and he he mentored us and met with each of us mm-hmm. you know, once a week, and that had tremendous impact upon my life. Mm-hmm. So we know you as a counselor, family counselor, marriage counselor, as a writer. Um, did this calling just happen? Was there a, a, a step-by-step a calling? Did God call you? And did you see the calling before you? You know, it was a, it was a step at a time. I never, in those early years, ever thought of being an, uh, an author. I never gave any thought to being a counselor. Uh, I, I only knew there was two things you could do, full-time ministry. One would be a pastor, and the other would be a missionary. And uh at 17 years of age, it's uh, my senior year in high school is when I really sensed that God wanted me into some kind of ministry. And I visioned missionaries uh, working in the jungle, and I didn't like snakes. So I figured <laughs> God must want me to be a pastor. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> so, logical, yeah. <laughs> so I enrolled at Moody Bible Institute in the pastor's course. <laughs> and in, in those years, uh, it was an institute, you know, only three years. It was not uh-huh. a degree program then. And so, by the, but by the time I finished Moody, I really sensed God did want me on the mission field. Uh, and I really leaned in that direction. So when I went to Wheaton for my degree, I majored in anthropology, you know, cultural anthropology, which is a mm-hmm. great background for, for missions. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I really intended to go to the mission field. And once when Carolyn and I got married, we discussed it. I mean, you know, she was she was game and felt like, well, yeah, I feel like I'm willing, I'm willing to go with you, you know. And so... That was our plan all along those years. Went back to went to seminary, you know. Eventually got my PhD, and the only reason I got my PhD is I talked to the mission board, and they said, you know, my, my vision was to uh, train nationals so they could reach their country for Christ, you know. And they said, well, that would be probably in a seminary or a college setting, and it would be great if you had a PhD. Well, I'd never even thought about that. And I said, well, okay. So we prayed about it, and we went back to seminary and did the Ph.D., and then we officially applied to the mission board and got turned down. 
because of my wife's health. They said we oh. we were going we were going to Nigeria, and they said no, we, we can't we can't send her to Nigeria. Mm. And of course, you know, she was the she felt guilty. She she said, you know, I'm keeping you from going to the mission field. Well, you can imagine how that felt and how yeah. that made me feel. You know, so it was a time of real struggle for us. You know, just questioning God, what what is going on here? Uh, looking back on it, of course, you know, God's plans was different from ours, and. Uh, so, you know, I said, well, if we're not going to teach on, over there, I guess I should teach here. So I applied to 27 universities and colleges and didn't went out a single opening. Mm. And so I took a job as a summer youth director in a church <laughs> just for the summer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then and by the fall, I ended up going to a little Bible college called Piedmont Bible College, which is here in North Carolina. And for three years, I taught there and uh, really, really enjoyed the teaching. But then I was invited to come to a church on the other side of town and start a college ministry. And uh, I thought, man, I can do teaching and not have to worry about all the academic stuff, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so I did that for 10 years. I directed the college ministry and it just it, it, absolutely wonderful. Started Bible studies on Wake Forest campus, started with one and kept multiplying, got up to 30 Bible studies going. And every Friday night was open house at our house for college students and Every Sunday morning, I taught a class for college students, you know, 150 kids there every mm-hmm. Sunday. So, but uh, and during those years, I never thought I would ever get into counseling, you know. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I went to seminary, they didn't even offer a master's in counseling. Is that right? I, I took the courses they offered, five or six courses, but there wasn't even a degree offered. And uh, so, but when I got into church and started working with adults, you know, uh, those that were hurting wanted to talk, and I kind of got pushed into counseling. Mm-hmm. But it became a major part of my ministry. I mean, for years, I was seeing 20 to 25 couples a, a week. You know, nobody told me that was too many. But <laughs> uh, and so, and then the books, really, I had never thought of being an author, but. Yeah, uh, did people, you enjoy writing? You know, I did, but I didn't, I never thought I would write. And, and what motivated me was uh, the people were asking me in local churches to come and speak or lead a course on marriage. And I thought, you know, if I had some of this stuff in writing, I could leave it behind and it would help. It, it would be more productive, you know, rather than just speaking. And so that's what motivated me to write my first book. And uh, so after that, the books just kind of kept flowing through the years, you know, just really an overflow of my, of my uh, ministry. And yeah. here's an interesting thing, Wayne. You know, now my books are published in over 60 languages. You know, I was Goodness. in I was in Hungary before the pandemic, and they had published 32 of my books in Hungarian. <laughs> and uh, so they always send copies, as you know, and we open up the boxes and we pray for the country. And so one night we were sitting on the couch and opened these boxes, and, and I looked over on the couch and Carolyn was crying. And I said, what's wrong, honey? And she said, nothing's wrong. I'm just remembering we want to be missionaries. Oh, and now your books wow. are all over the world. Oh, great thought. And I cried. <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't? I'm crying right now. <laughs> That's a great story. You know, so, so many people are looking for God's will and they want the platform now. And what, I, what I'm thinking about as I hear you tell your story, there was a long ramp up to what yeah. God has called you to do and, yeah. and equipped you to do. And we have to be patient and we have to be trained and equipped and serve and experience, and then perhaps God will bring it about, huh? Yeah, I think so. And I think at every juncture, God is using us, you know, but we're learning and we're growing as we're being used. But we don't know where the road's going to lead in terms of, you know, vocation or ministry. 
uh, from the beginning. We, we discover that as we move down the road with God. Coming up on First Person, we'll continue this conversation with Gary Chapman, talking about God speaking your love language at Christmas. Hi, I'm Ed Cannon, and as you know, situations around the world are changing quickly. Stay current with FEBC's ministry and get a deeper understanding of people who need to find hope. Hear how you can feel the pulse of God's Spirit moving through the hearts of believers dedicated to reaching the lost. Be sure you join me for the podcast until all have heard. Discover how the gospel is making a difference around the world. Search for Until All Have Heard on your favorite podcast platform or hear it online at febc.org. My guest is the number one New York Times bestselling author of the five love languages, Gary Chapman. We're talking here just before Christmas. And Gary, your, your book caught my attention, God Speaks Your Love Language, and I, I went through it because uh, I wanted to see how you would apply the, the five love languages to this theme, and it, it's, it's terrific. And I want to put it in a Christmas context. God spoke our love language, all five of the love languages, when he came in the person of Christ at Christmas. So can we talk uh, through those and just apply each of those? Would you mind doing that? They, they, by the way, I'll, I'll remind everyone the love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And uh, I see God in every one of those. Absolutely. You know what motivated that book? People kept asking me, what's God's love language? And so I just went through the whole Bible and I said, oh, man, he speaks all five of them, Old Testament, New Testament, everywhere. <laughs> but, but certainly in the Christmas coming, coming of Christ, uh, he speaks all five of those. Uh, take acts of service, for example. You know, Jesus himself said, the Son of Man did not come to be served. I came to serve yeah, and give my exact life same verse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You yeah. know, and, he, and he, you know, Peter said about Jesus, he went about doing good. And he was speaking acts of service his whole life. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, gifts, of course. Uh, he said, I came to give my life a ransom for others. And, mm-hmm. you know, his crucifixion, man, that was the greatest gift the world has ever known. Uh, acts of service, uh, words of affirmation. You know, if you follow, just follow his life and hear the words he said, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know, no man comes to the Father except through me. Wow, that makes you want to run to him. Uh, Absolutely. So you see, you see those words, you know, in the coming of Christ. Uh, so words and acts and service and, and quality time. You know, I really thought a lot about this. Uh, you know, I think it's Mark chapter three, maybe verse 14, where, uh, uh, it, it says Jesus ordained 12 that he might be with them. And I thought, you know, hmm. Jesus preached and talked to multitudes, but he gave quality time to 12 men. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, can you really imagine for three and a half years hanging out with Jesus? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, he would speak to the multitudes and that night, you know, around the campfire, they'd say, now, what did you mean by that? You know, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And their undivided attention to those 12 men, uh, you know, quality time. And of course, we have that opportunity now. We don't see him, but we sit down with him, acknowledge his presence with us, and and, and we have his undivided attention. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and then physical touch, you know, just look at his life, you know. I remember the one time, you know, he was he was speaking and children started bringing their, people started bringing their children to Jesus. And the disciples rebuked them and said, no, 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 this is for adults. And Jesus rebuked the disciples. 
and said, mm-hmm. let the little children come to me, for such is the kingdom of God. And the next verse says, he put his hands on them oh, yeah. and blessed them. And if you follow his life, he was always touching people, you know, touching lepers and touching blind mm-hmm. people. Uh, so all five of them are demonstrated yeah. in, in the life of Jesus. That's, that's excellent. Back on words of affirmation, I was thinking in terms of the whole the whole Bible is a word of affirmation to us, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And here, here's what I discovered as I was writing that book. I started looking at conversion experiences, both in the scriptures and church history and in contemporary Christianity. We all send, send, seem to come to God different ways and different things. For example, physical touch people. My guess is that Saul, uh, who became Paul, that his language was physical touch because mm. he was totally against God. God touched him, you know, knocked well, him off the horse I'll say and, I did, yeah. and, and blinded <laughs> yeah. him. <laughs> that was quite a touch. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there are people today who will say, you know, I was just sitting in a service and all of a sudden my body started shaking. I started mm. weeping. And I couldn't mm. control myself. I just sensed God was touching me. Well, not everybody has that kind of experience. But if you're a physical touch person, that may be the way God speaks to you most deeply, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, and, and the other factor that I discovered is that once we become believers, we, we most naturally express our love to God in our love language. For example, if acts of service is my love language, I'm the one that volunteers to work in the soup kitchen. You know, yeah. if words is my language, I'm the one that's always praising God and using words. You know, mm-hmm. if physical touch is my language, I'm the one that most naturally raises my hands in worship, get on my knees mm-hmm. when I pray, you know. <laughs> Just a fascinating study uh, of how our love language, uh, you know, we, we use it to express our love to God. But here's one of the points I make in that book. We're creatures of habit, and God never intended to become just root routine for us. For example, you know, if, if, you, if you're an acts of service person, when you started serving soup at the soup kitchen, every time you dipped it out, you looked up at the person in front of you and saw Jesus. Because mm. you remember what he said, you know, you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. Well, that was 10 years ago. Now you still go to the soup kitchen, but you're not seeing Jesus. You're just dipping soup. It's just what you do on Thursday night. You know, it just it's a routine now. And God never, never wants it to be routine. So I encourage people, learn some new dialects of your language and maybe try some of the other languages, you know, to keep it alive yeah. and awake in your relationship with God, because that, yeah. that's what he wants for all of us. Help us live out these languages uh, and showing uh, uh, love and acts of service, et cetera, to our families here at Christmas time. Families are going to be gathering, and we know that can be both a joyful time and a stressful time for a lot of people, sometimes both, you know. Um, talk to us about how to relate to each other during these holiday seasons. Well, I think in, a, in an immediate family, if we're thinking in terms of what happened on Christmas, you know, and God's greatest gift to us by becoming man and, and living among us, uh, there ought to be a sense of thanksgiving, and, and Christmas ought to be focused on Jesus. I think that's that's the first implication. And so as we do, uh, we, we, we share with each other some spiritual aspects of, you know, Christmas and what, what it means to us in our own individual lives should be a time of, of sharing, but it should also be a time of serving because, as you mentioned, we often have people come into our house that aren't there, you know, uh, during the normal uh, routines of life. And so uh, even if acts of service is not your primary language, 
this is the time to volunteer to help your wife or your husband and the children to help their parents, especially when they have guests that are coming in the house, because there's a lot, so many things that need to be done. And we shouldn't just leave it to, to mother. If she's the one that normally cooks, don't just leave it all to her. You know, or if dad's the one that cooks, don't leave it all to him. Let's, yeah. let's, let's find ways that we can help each other uh, with acts of service. And then expressing thanks to eight family members during, during the Christmas season too. Yeah. Really appreciate this. You did a good job with this. And I really appreciate that mm-hmm. because sometimes we just take for granted what family members are doing for each other and for the larger family during the Christmas season. Well, we're about to enter into a very holy couple of days here. Christmas is just in front of us. And I wonder, would you pray for families right now? Let's take a moment, and for those who are listening, and and pray for people who have the opportunity to show God's love to others uh, through speaking God's love language to each other during this time. Would you lead us in prayer for that, Gary? Surely. Father, thank you for what you did for us those many, many years ago when you wrapped yourself in flesh and was born as a baby and lived and walked among us. We weren't there then, but we're here now, and we're deeply grateful for what Christ did as he grew and matured and served and gave his life ultimately a ransom for us. Thank you for that gift of forgiveness. Thank you for the presence of your spirit among us during this season. And Father, I pray for your people all over the world, because you know that we live in a very troubled world in our generation. And I pray for Christian parents, you'd give them wisdom on how to use this season as a time to teach and instruct and train their children to follow the example of Christ, first giving their hearts to him when he calls for them, and also, Lord, taking their abilities and their interests and using them to serve other people. Father, I pray that during this season, there will be people that will be drawn to Christ, some who never go to church except at Christmas. Father, touch their hearts, draw them to yourself. May there be in this season a revival in the hearts of your people, and may those who do not know you have a hunger for something more than what they've experienced. So may this be a time in which your people rejoice in what you've done for us, and in our families, speaking love to each other in all the love languages and expressing our love to you in any way that we can. Father, may we be faithful during this season to let it be a time of acknowledging what Christmas is all about, and that is the coming of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Dr. Gary Chapman's latest book, which we referred to today, is titled God Speaks Your Love Language, subtitled How to Experience and Express God's Love. You'll find a link to the book at firstpersoninterview.com. This interview will be kept online for listening anytime at firstpersoninterview.com. As a matter of fact, all of our past programs can be heard either online or with that smartphone app. The app is free and can be found in your app store when you look for First Person Interview. And as we near the end of the year, thanks for visiting the Far East Broadcasting Company's website, febc.org. FEBC has faithfully supported First Person again this year, and we're very grateful for this provision, making these interviews possible. Again, please visit febc.org. And Merry Christmas from the team at First Person. With thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next week for the final program of 2023.